as you were home. Welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Fear of God podcast. It is, we are in the dog days of summer, y'all. I am up in this garage. It is hot. It is North Carolina. Um, it is not, it is, it is, it's just hot. There's just no way around it. It's sweaty. Um, but I'm here with you guys. Um, this is, of course, if you've been with us for a little while, you may recognize um, um, my dulcet tones. Uh, that is, this is Nathan Rouse coming to you. I would say live, but that's not totally true. Um, I am one of your podcast hosts. Typically with me is my dear friend, Reed Lackey. We've been buddies for quite a sizable amount of time now, not to mention the 96 weeks plus worth of podcasting we've done together. It's just, it is a deep friendship. Um, usually he's around. He was here for a second. He heard a knock. He said something. He had to go check and see if Tamara was home. I don't really know what that means. Yeah. I didn't even know Reed knew anyone named Tamara, but I mean, I don't know. We, we do live you know, thousands of miles from each other geographically. So it does stand to reason that Reed knows different people than I do. I guess I can live with that. Meanwhile, while he is checking on that, I do want to encourage you. Uh, if you're new, um, if you're old, um, you know, wh- wherever you fall on the spectrum of experience with the fear of God, if you have not done so, please go subscribe. That way more people know about us. Please go leave a review or a rating or other some such thing that secret algorithmic social media metrics determine certain things of how they're going to take over the world one day. In the meantime, though, in the interim, what it does is boosts our profile just a little bit more so that we can be part of that great takeover at some point in the future um so yeah please go do that subscribe leave a rating leave a review read you're back man hi you're you okay i am i am there was some really weird people a little worse for wear there yeah i uh i am a little worse for wear but i'm all right uh i basically there were some really weird people knocking on my door asking if tamara was here and in the spirit of last week's episode i sent them next door i said tamara was next door so uh so yeah okay yeah that makes sense they went and uh i I don't know what's going on over there but my neighbors are really noisy so i just you know i just sent them next door so but whatever's going on yeah you know because you're like you're like don't come and knock on my door. I sh- haven't been waiting for you. 
I, I should have said that. Because you're strangers and I don't know you. Go talk to those guys. I should have said that. Or I should. I, what I thought about answering was like, I was like, stranger in the night. You're weird in the daytime, but you're stranger in the night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you are okay, though. And that is that is what matters. Thank it, goodness. Well, yes, it matters. It matters to me. I think it probably matters to our listeners. It and matters we can all be to me. A, this a, is a jukebox episode. Wow. This is, what's this is an happen. all singing episode. Yeah, this is the Scott Roach dreaded all musical episode. That's what this is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just going to we're gonna sing a song of sixpence. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It just came to me in the moment. And, and as we know, usually if it comes to me in the moment, it's going to come right out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> so, hey, read, read. So we are in, this is episode four of our summer, our sweaty summer series, hashtag Monster Mash. Sweaty summer which is series. super exciting. Sweaty super, summer super series. Super exciting. Um, yeah, it is, it is, it is indeed. Um, <laughs> I was a man. Um, and so as part of the, or, or rather what inspired us to do the Monster Mash series was the fact that we are doing the Monster Mash championship of monsters spirits slashers humans across all time and space continuum in what we are affectionately dubbing the monster mash and it is time read to get back to it for the final countdown nathan nathan Nathan. Nathan. Huh? Nathan. <laughs> Nathan. Yeah. So, yeah. so Nathan. Yes. What? Do you remember? What? I was in it. I was feeling it. Do you, but do you remember, like, we talked about this, like, we're, we're doing a bunch of episodes, like, what? beforehand. We're not, we don't know. We don't know what the results are. This is two weeks in a row. We don't know what the results Damn are because it. we had to record early. So, uh, but okay. So here's the deal, listeners. If you're only listening to this episode, we're not doing the Monster Mash this week because we banked this episode early. And so you've got to go to the Facebook page or the Facebook uh, group or Twitter. You got to go right now. You got to vote on the survey. Vote on the survey for your final. Your your it's it's down to two opponents in both the slashers and the spirits categories we don't know who they are because we haven't seen the votes yet so go to those surveys vote on your picks and then next week next week we will reveal your winners in those categories we will actually have the winners in all four of the categories and we will see who is going wow. to be mashing up with wow. each other. It is continue sending your fanfic in that one you wrote Blake Collier is great about um you know Pinhead and Chucky and a field <laughs> and Chucky runs and tries to dropkick Pinhead in the head and gets stuck on his head cuz he's a Pinhead and he's a Cenobite and the field is wide open and it's just them just out there <laughs> Are you from the future? <laughs> <laughs> and I cannot believe it finally did, after all, come down to the thing and Jimmy. Um, that is uh, not, we don't know. Impressive. You're going to confuse our listeners because our listeners don't know you're joking. <laughs> I am joking. It's so what I we, do. We don't know. Um, so, yes, we, we don't know who is where on the, on the survey thing. Richter so scale. 
so so place your vote so we know who's going to win the monster mash and we're going to announce it we're, we are definitely announcing it on next week's podcast next week it will definitely who be the who the final four will announce will that be the final four we will, or the final two nope, we will announce the final four and then the final four will battle it out with the winner of the championship emerging victorious to be revealed on episode 100 grand episode 100 all right math um wow <laughs> yeah yeah so I hate math. <laughs> um <laughs> well okay so so we'll get back to we'll get back to monster mash some other time but uh but but nathan first and foremost i just what? gotta go what you watching what you're reading listening to what you watching and reading and listening to <laughs> do you know what the, do you know what that was what's amazing about that is if you hadn't edited out the part where we said let's do that even if you didn't i don't know um i never would have guessed that's what that was <laughs> You don't know. Okay, so maybe I did a terrible it's, job of it. Maybe I did an awful job. It's of been it. a really long time. I'd have to go. I'd have to. Okay, go so I'll sing the real thing, and then we'll do the. Other okay. Thing. So the real yeah. thing is standing tall on the wings of my dreams. dreams. Yeah. So I was going rise and fall. Yeah. So, now see now now we need to do a shot of of the two of us in front of Fenway Park. That's the Chicago baseball stadium. That's right. If you didn't yes. know that, because I know you're not into sports. No. So let's go. No, I'm not, and I didn't know that. So let's go. <laughs> so, uh, but no. So that's why I was like, what you watch? Okay, I got it now. I got it. I got it, cousin Balky. Okay, uh, cousin Larry. I appreciate that. Wow. You asked Balky me to do a thing, and then you trounced on I my know, I did. Like, I, I know. That. No, right. no, no. I just I had a hard time finding hearing the tune there, but I got it now. I'm with you. Wow. So yes. You just, try this, this. That's the definition of like murdering your own joke. <laughs> no kidding. All right. So what am I watching, reading, or listening to? Yeah, what are um, you? This episode, as a matter of fact, in the spirit of our singing uh, uh, constantly, um, it's a what are you listening to? I did pick up, um, I believe it's the fourth studio album. I think it's the fourth studio album by Florence and the Machine called High as Hope. Oh, I want um, that. I really dig it. I have been a Florence fan since her first album, Lungs, and have enjoyed pretty much everything she does. Oh, absolutely. It's funny. I did. I actually, she opened for U2 like five years ago. Oh, wow. I uh, bet that five was Five or great. six years ago. It was cool. Um, it You know, it was, it was kind of neat to see her at that stage of her career. Um, she's actually coming to Charlotte and I think October, I don't know if mm. I'm going to make it or not, but regardless, um, the album's great. I really, really dig it. It's got some interesting flavor to it in terms of in a way that I can't recall being quite so explicit. There's some interesting kind of faith flavored lyricism to it. Uh, even in songs with the F word in it, um, interesting. but hmm. well, she is Irish. I believe a couple of standout tracks. Grace, Patricia, there's one called The End of Love, I believe. Anyway, it's a really good album. I do recommend it, but I do like her stuff in general, so it's an easy it's an easy wreck for me. But that's that's my what am I listening that's to? That's what Reed? you're listening to. Uh I am a very big fan of Florence and Machine. Yeah, I'm I've I've had High as Hope on my radar for a while and I'm sure I will acquire it sometime soon. So uh 
what I am watching. So it's interesting. I, uh, what, what I'm watching will likely show up in conversational dialogue. Most of the episode, or at least it will make an appearance again. I'm almost positive. Um, so I went to the theaters to see a little documentary called Won't You Be My Neighbor. Oh, I did not know you saw I it. Did. I really want to see it's it. It's so good. So yeah. Won't You Be My Neighbor is a documentary about the life and work uh, in television, specifically of Fred Rogers, of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, and uh, and it, I will say this as a as more of a preparatory comment than anything else. If your only association with Mr. Rogers is just having seen the show. If you don't know much about his life or about some of the behind the scenes stuff of the show, if you don't know much about that, I think it is a, you absolutely need to see this film. I think it's, it's going to be very eye opening. It's very inspiring, very encouraging. Um, even if you do have a broad familiarity with his behind the scenes stuff, um, his appearance before Congress, uh, you know, all of these different sort of factoids that have trickled out over time about Fred Rogers, even if you do know a lot of those material, the film is still very inspiring. It's still very uplifting. It's still very emotional. It's still very wonderful. There's just not going to be a lot of new information introduced that you were not already familiar with. Um, if you have a yeah, but in a in a mass market kind of documentary release, that's still pretty sure. Significant. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I and and let that not let that small little sort of asterisk not be seen as a lack of recommendation. I highly recommend this film. Um, it was really, it's just a good dose of. It is possible to be better. It is possible to do better. Wow. Um, and uh, he some of the. What an insanely inspiring human. Like he really it is, is. staggering. He really is. But here's what's amazing about it. And the 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 document I was worried about this. I was worried that the documentary would almost kind of uh be making a case for his sainthood. Um Sure. Which it doesn't. It is honest about some of the things that are, you know, that are very human about him as a person. But uh, I mean there's no big surprise scandal. Like there's no big, you know, shocking right. detrimental thing. Um, just a dude, but it, it is, you know, yeah, it is very revealing about a couple of things. And I was surprised and honestly, a little sickened to discover that there has been some controversy of late of people. Uh, I don't even know of what ilk they are sociologically, but of people basically blaming Mr. Rogers neighborhood, uh, blaming the entitlement of the millennial generation on a bunch of people who grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which I think is ridiculous because he started That's in the 60s. stupid as crap. Well, of course it's stupid, but the film addresses it, and and basically, yeah, and the film addresses it. I don't want to spoil this part, but the film, the film directly addresses that controversy of people saying, hey, uh, for decades you told everybody they were special. Now they feel like they are special and they're entitled wow. to all this stuff. Wow. Um, but the film directly addresses... Interesting. Why that is, it basically debunks that criticism, but does so, uh, you know, direct again, directly addressing sort of the root of Mr. Rogers' um, thrust and and what he what he really cared about in why he did his program. Um, it's and I will say the final 
Um, I've seen films before, mostly in the faith-based arena, but I've seen films before that have like a final call to action, as it were, Mm -hmm. at the end. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, uh, I'm going to beat up on a film rather unfairly, but like the final moments of God's Not Dead basically says, hey, go text somebody that God's not dead. Like, go do that. Go do that right now. Um, That that (laughs) little call to action. Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor has a sort of backdoor call to action in its final 10 minutes. Nathan, I was in tears. I was in tears. Wow. Um, wow. Just, and again, uh, you'll know when you see the film why I call it a backdoor call to action. Um, you'll understand when you see it. But the final 10 minutes of this, I was just um, in tears. And I will say, without spoiling what they are, that the final words spoken in the core of the movie are perfect. They are absolutely perfect. I have never heard a more perfect statement to end a, a film about a philosophical idea of neighborliness than the way won't you be my neighbor ends. It's a, it's a wonderful wow. film. Wow. It's a stunning film. See it. If you can go see it, if you can. Yeah, I, I I've been, it's on the list. Most, most certainly. Um, it's funny. This is a random aside here. So I, I, I you know, like most folks, our age grew up with Mr. Rogers but I've had a particular fascination with him the last few years. Last year, I read a biography of his. And um, which one did you read? Sorry to interrupt you. Um, no, I'd have to look up. Was it Peaceful title. Neighbor? No. Okay, uh-uh. that's the one that I want to read. That's I, okay. I badly want to. Read. Um, no, I did not read that one. But interestingly, in this one, I did read. It talks. It was this really lovely moment of life confluence where uh, the author <clears throat> i didn't know you're going here else i would have looked up the information here but um the author of the biography directly addresses roger's affection for frederick beekner uh who oh interesting yeah yeah wow because they're presbyterian yeah yeah ministry it makes sort sense of thing there. it makes sense um the film does deal pretty heavily and I, I appreciated this the film does not shy away one bit from the fact that he was an ordained Presbyterian minister and that his Christian faith was at the root of everything that he did sure, in his life. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and the reason I appreciated how the documentary handled that is it was not... I'll, I'll say this about it. I do not think necessarily an unbeliever would walk in and feel like this was a making a case for Christianity, as certain faith-based films might be trying to do. I think the film was more making a case for how someone can authentically live out what they believe about their faith. And and yes. that's what's inspiring. And that's that's what's really inspiring. Isn't it fascinating how different those two statements oh, are? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny. It's, so the way I was going a minute ago with the funny story is, so in my line of work, which is in-home sales uh, to anyone who cares, I, I sell replacement windows, which only matters to this story insofar as there is a competitor company. Uh, I think it's a national company actually called... Mr. Rogers and they annoy the crap out of me. And I'll often bring this up in the home, uh, you know, kind of to debunk them a little bit. Cause I'm like, this company is totally preying on your sentimentality and nostalgia to try to sell you a thing. And Mm. anyway, so that comes up in my line of work a lot and which is weird. I know, but I have a weird job. Um, I was in a home about two years ago at this point and we were talking about the, uh, Mr. Rogers window company. Well, this, this is an older couple sixties. 
he was very good old boy. He was in a camo shirt and suspenders, chomping on pizza, getting in his beard. She was very cosmopolitan, like offered me wine and all this sort of stuff. And anyway, we get to Mr. Rogers and this good old boy guy. And I'm in, bear in mind, I'm in somebody else's home. I, I'm very conscientious and sensitive to the fact that I am a recipient of their hospitality and on their turf and blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, this guy says, hey, man. You know why he wore them sweaters, right? <laughs> well, as anyone with almost a just mere passing of knowledge of Fred Rogers' life knows, it's because his mom made them. Yes, right? yes. Um, so mom made these sweaters. He wore them as an homage to her, more or less. So this guy says this. I was like, well, you know, I actually think it's, I'm pretty sure it's because his mom made them for him. Well, Reed, you could tell I totally stumped this dude. <laughs> oh, no. Because then, no, I'm not making this up. So then he's like, well, maybe. But oh, no. really, really, it's because he was a sniper in the Marines and he's got tattoos up and down his arms of all his kills and he had to cover them up <laughs> and read. It took everything in my being not to be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. The film addresses um, that. Did you know the, really? the film well, addresses well, that rumor specifically that 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 particular night when I left those people's house in the car in their driveway, I Googled. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> Why does this guy think this? Yeah. And sure enough, in the early aughts, there was this urban legend about Mr. Rogers being this murderous sniper yes. with the Marines. Mm -hmm. And and hear me, like it, I, I sound super dismissive there. I'm not even at all proposing that um, a, someone can't have a dramatic change of heart because of an encounter with the risen Christ. I am simply saying I knew enough about Mr. Rogers to know that is not at all why that's happening. Oh, yeah, you know? of course. Well, also, I, so, OK, so this is an episode about the strangers. It's not an episode about sure. Mr. Rogers, but let, let's. Uh, but isn't it? It's, I mean, it's a little bit. It's going to it's going to come up again. Just buckle up, everybody. But so uh, but the film, I will. Uh, are there really spoilers for Won't You Be My Neighbor? Like, maybe. I don't know. But one of the things it says in dealing with. That issue of all these rumors that arise. Was he gay? Was he a sniper? Was he a killer? Was he all these different things? These rumors that rise up is because people at large, culture at large, found it so terribly difficult to believe that somebody like Mr. Rogers could exist in the world. Like they fig they, they had to figure what's he hiding? What's he what's this right. big, deep, dark secret wow. that you know, he, he can't be this way. Like, it, they, it comes up a couple of times in the film where people ask, like, and, and his family members say, one of the questions we are most frequently asked is, was he like that at home? Was that him? And they're like, yes. All of his friends, all of his family, they're all like, yes. Fred Rogers was Fred Rogers. He was the guy that you see on TV. He was that guy. Doesn't mean he was perfect. Doesn't mean he had, you know, everything figured out. He definitely wrestled with certain things, but he was who he portrayed himself to be. But it was not a persona. No, it was not a persona. And and I, I found that very interesting that the film basically said that's why this sniper thing emerged. That's why these tattoo things emerged is people found it difficult to believe that somebody could wow. be like that yeah. and be genuine. Yeah. And uh, and I just. Yeah. Well, and the other one, the other one that I'm sure the movie addresses is the him flicking kids off or something. You see that one, too. It, uh, the the uh, oh, the little gif where he's supposedly like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so people. stupid. It's so stupid. It does not address that because I think that's a fabrication. Like, I think that's just a complete fabrication, but it doesn't, well, it doesn't even address that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. Well, that's 
no, I'm I'm really excited to see that movie. Um, Go see it like I tomorrow. It like, I would I would, I would love so to. Good. There's way too much going yeah. on in my day to day this week. However, <laughs> as a fine as a as a final, what you're watching, I had forgotten about this. Um, by the time this airs, it will be about two weeks hence. And in fact, by the time this airs, it's possible the actual show will have started. Um, as of today, the final Castle Rock trailer dropped. Did you uh, see it? Yes, I did see it. I'm very. That's excited. pretty cool. That's excited. pretty cool. I really. I'm still a little in the dark a bit as to kind of what we're dealing with, but that's, I'm totally fine with that. I'm on board though. Um, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I honestly think it almost couldn't be a smarter King delivery system, you know, like it's not married to a specific pre-existing story. Right. uh, As much as, as much as, and this is me making some assumptions, I think as much as it's kind of dancing between the raindrops of his, tones and themes and narrative absolutely beats. You know, that's, yep. that's pretty absolutely. exciting and his most his his uh arguably most popular fictional town creation yeah absolutely you want to you want to take us out balky you oh you mean you want me to go what you watch and reading and listening <laughs> to i hear it now i hear it now what yeah isn't it, isn't it crazy? Not, this will be for like 1% of our listenership, Matt Murray. Um, isn't it crazy the level of association that property now has to the TV show Leftovers? Isn't that wild? Yes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Very much. Um, well, Reed, we are in volume four of Hashtag Monster Mash. And I actually don't have the writer-director's name in front of me. but um, Brian Bertino. Brian Bertino. We are dealing with discussing Brian Bertino's 2008 written and ultimately directed The Strangers or Strangers? The Strangers. The Strangers. Um, Interestingly, as a little trivial bit, you probably know this, but he was actually last on the list to direct it. There was multiple directors. I have not heard this. No. Yeah. That. There was two specifically, I mean, no major names or anything, but there were two specifically because it was his first, I think his first screenplay. Uh, mm-hmm. But there were two directors in front of him that ultimately, for whatever reason, backed out. And the studio basically was like, fine. I mean, do you want to do it? I mean, it was wow. it, you almost. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost kind of that level of, you know, just trying to just trying to get the thing made. Wow, which fascinating. You know, who knows what a different type of tale we would have gotten there but sure now for, for my purposes reed i watched the strangers unrated i don't know if you saw that version oh yeah um, it's like two minutes longer than the other one right yes. you yes, know what's funny what is you alluded at least to that being a gory or sort of cut like i i actually i actually didn't find this movie that gory even with the unrated version i don't, I don't know what the difference i think it all there. revolves around that climactic scene i think that's really just okay, what it is, okay. is i think that climactic scene is briefer in the theatrical version that they they deemed it to be too disturbing I, and yeah, graphic in its, can, in its present form and it is pretty i mean we'll get there but it is pretty rough that that sequence is yeah, pretty difficult yeah. to to sit through um but that's that's basically what i think the difference is I think, uh, and before we get too much further, as an incredibly brief synopsis, because unlike The Ring, <clears throat> this is a very straightforward narrative. Very it's effectively It's effectively a home invasion story. Um, this couple has just been at a wedding? Yeah, they've been at, at a, a wedding. wedding. Okay. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. been at a wedding. They are retiring for the evening to a kind of in the woods kind of old cabin house of his family's um you catch them immediately on the heels of a bit of a falling out in their relationship but while they're at this cabin 
bad things happen <laughs> and and ultimately this trio of uh invaders strangers uh, spo- spoiler yeah. alert kill them but so can i can i go off for a second go 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 off go off read i think um i would be hard pressed to say oh my gosh i gotta sit back down and rewatch the strangers or hey person that wants to watch a scary movie let's watch the strangers and so i'm hesitant to use the word love but dude i really dug this of course of course you did because it's a great movie yeah absolutely okay no absolutely yeah i want to have a brief conversation then because i think what's and hear me i don't i'm not necessarily interested in diagnosing the the uh, reductive metrics we use in our society to measure the quality of a thing but I, I will uh, on occasion, you know, like you, you are, you are impacted by, for instance, a thing's rotten tomato score. Hmm. Um, this has like a 47%, I think it was, or somewhere in the forties. Oh, I didn't even um, know that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess, I guess I just want to have a brief conversation on a technical level of like what I do have two, this is, there's, I'm, I'm going a lot of different directions here real quick, but it's tying all back into this. There's one sort of major dislike I could argue for, which is a little bit of implausibility surrounding just how good these strangers are at bobbing and weaving through this house. Oh, you know I mean, I see. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 that feels like kind of just, you know, picking on it uh, unnecessarily. So I guess I'm curious, like, I I don't understand sometimes and maybe maybe I'm hoping for a little enlightenment that you might be able to shed on this particular movie if you have any of like what I I, I really like this movie like it's sure, scary sure. Yeah. in all the ways you would want out of the story it is far more rich emotionally than I expected sure um yeah. I mean those first five minutes I don't even like Scott Speedman <laughs> but those I didn't know he was in it those first five minutes I was like dad gum I am really I am really on the wavelength of these people's emotional journey yes. and yeah, it's, of course. it's only started. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm just kind of confused sometimes by, and hear me, I, you know, I'm not going to let that rotten tomato score affect my appreciation for it. Cause I really did like it a lot. Um, but I, you know, sometimes I'm just kind of scratching my head like, okay, well, I don't, I don't know what you kind of wanted out of this movie and what ultimately right. you didn't right. get that you might've wanted anyway. No, I think so. No, I don't have any enlightenment. I don't know why people don't like this movie. The only thing that I can find that that maybe somebody would say, hey, I really don't like The Strangers, is I can understand somebody feeling very disrupted and upset by the way it ends. At least, but that's not even... And it is upsetting, sure. It yeah. is. That's not, and, and that's not even a quality of the film and the filmmaking. It's just I can understand somebody walking out and being like, holy crap, like I need like I need to watch a Simpsons episode. I need to watch, right. you know, some some sort of pick me up, lighten the mood, something because it is very heavy um, with that ending. But the film craft at work, the I think it was the producer is quoted as saying he doesn't really like the moniker of horror film, even though it absolutely is a horror film. But he doesn't like the moniker of horror film. He thinks it's more a terror film. And I couldn't agree more that it's that it's just almost 90 minutes of just sustained terror and dread. And I don't know why fans of that sort of thing don't like this. And, and now, yeah. now here's a question for you. Um, did you intentionally withhold your thoughts on this movie from me? Yes. I just, okay. Okay. C- yes. Mainly because I just couldn't remember. I, I had no impression going into it. Yes. And in fact, 
if anything, I had a negative impression only because I was like, well, I don't really know. I was surprised the characters, the strangers did as well as they did in our monster mash. Like that surprised me sure. um, right, right, right. because of how little association I had. So I went into it kind of as a to-do list um, mm-hmm. item. Um, now in my defense a little bit, both the ring and the strangers I watched during the day. So that probably helped um, <laughs> defray a little bit of my own anxiety, but it, I don't know. I just remember subconsciously thinking, I don't remember Breed saying much at all about this. Is this why? No, because you, so like, do you really, are you, are you a fan? Oh, I'm a very big fan. Yeah. I like this. Okay. I like this film a lot. Um, so I had not, I had only seen it once. So this was an opportunity to revisit it. Um, but again, like it's been more recent. This was 2000. Well, I say more recent. It was 10 years ago, but it, this was an opportunity to revisit a film that I remembered having a lot of affection for specifically for the way that it develops dread and terror. But I don't, there are sometimes I'll just make a generalized statement about, fan slash critical consensus of things sure sure occasionally i just really don't know i just really don't understand why a certain film sort of hits a hits a button like i I don't i don't know i feel like the strangers is divisive for reasons that i can't quite articulate apart from the ending like i get why some people don't like the ending but apart from that i'm like this is this is a fantastically made film. Like you mentioned, it's emotionally gripping. It, it excites fear. It excites uh, emotional investment in its characters. Um, there are waves of terror and sorrow and, and all kinds of... I mean, it's just a very engaging film. It forces you to watch the screen several times, just like demands your attention because of what's going on in the background. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I just really don't understand why anybody who is a fan of this type of thing is not on board with this film. So I really don't have a good explanation for you. I don't find. Well, and I, I, I was floored. Like, I, I honestly think this is even more credit to a film that can do this. Like I literally was watching this. Cause I was like, I got to watch it. Cause we got to talk about it. It's the day of our recording that I watched it in the morning. It's, it is the epitome of checklist and you cut yeah. I, all, all I knew was home invasion and i thought Liv tyler was in it but that opening shot of her sitting in the car with tears in her eyes i was all of a sudden like oh my god i'm right with you i don't even know what's, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't i don't even know what's happened but i'm like all of a sudden just immediately on board with whatever this story is oh i mean like yeah, i was sure. so enthralled with with what uh, there's just so often in any you know i don't even mean just horror but like you know, genre movies in general, like we build towards plot, we develop emotional investment, hopefully, right? I mean, like, you know, we, we are conditioned to sort of wait for emotional payoff, you know, wait for to, 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 um, if it ever comes, have rich character dynamics be the latter part of films. Right. Um, I was just, I don't know. And I, well, I, part of it is just Liv Tyler. I think my affection for her coming out of leftovers is really high. And one, one note I wrote as we dive into the weeds here, um, I wrote, she is so good for what could be a pretty straightforward, scared girl role. She adds so much life to every small moment. Mm. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's, and it is pretty awesome. Again, 
I, I don't have any reason to like to dislike Scott Speedman. I just, you know, I just, he just I don't know. Yeah, he just doesn't do much. Whatever. So, yeah. But I, I even think he he holds his own with her. Like I yeah. am so invested in the two of them because I think those opening fifteen minutes just do wonders for those two characters and my interest and investment in them. And and there's so much tension there too. Like it is so difficult to thread the needle of true emotional dynamics mm, mm-hmm. that don't, that don't come off hackneyed, right. that don't come off hallmarky. Like I knew something cataclysmic had happened to their relationship. I didn't quite know what it was yet. Then it's revealed what it was. And just these two people wanting to meet each other, yeah. but, yeah. but being, but, but struggling to do that. Like all of that is tense, but you know, because of the prologue that it's not going to go well for these people. Like, oh man, I was just really jiving on it quick. Um, yes. so yeah. Um, I did write down that is the most poorly timed door knock ever. And that, oh, yes. No question. No question. Um, it's about to flip the script on, and turn a devastating night into at least a pretty good one. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now suddenly these bozos show up and no, thank oh, you. Oh, my no, gosh. No, thank you. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm actively going to resist a lot of what my affection is uh, is probably going to come out more in themes. But um, my I do like Liv Tyler a ton. Um, I think she's great. I think Scott Speedman does great. Glenn Howerton's, you know, brief cameo as, as Mike. Uh, I mean, like that's, you know, he does great with what he's got to work with. Gosh, that's devastating. It is really devastating. I like him in, uh, in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia a lot. So I think the performances are strong. Um, I'm blown away by the strategy of terror in the film. I'm blown away by it, by how there is no. Don't do scares yet. Okay. Um, well, then let's then then go. Okay. <laughs> Cause, okay. Because okay. I got well, scares and things. A few a few more bullets on likes dislikes. Um, I actually did because I didn't know the story. I did not think this was going to be the case, but I did write down. I'm gonna be real disappointed if he's involved in this. Like oh, I didn't sure, think that was sure, going to be the yeah, case, yeah. but I did have that that fleeting thought. There was so so I referenced two bullets that were my dislikes. One was the arguable implausibility of those three characters ability to just sort of navigate that house. So nimbly, mm. um, I mean, I don't, I kind of don't care, but I could, if someone were to make that argument, I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's fine. Sure. The others, the other one is uh, the, the convenience fairy shows up in full force when Liv Tyler trips and falls running in the woods. Oh, um, yes. yes. I was just like, wow. Oh man, that was so <laughs> unnecessary. It's just a real, sure. sure. It just screams script device. Right. Right, um, right, right. And this is super random, but do you notice this continuity error? So he takes his tie off in the house to wrap it around her hand. Yes. They go outside to the car and his tie is back on. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's funny. They go I back did. in the house and his tie is back off. Oh, that is really funny. No, I did not yeah. notice that. I yeah, did not yeah, notice yeah. that. Um, two last likes and they're good ones. So... Andy Greenwald on the watch podcast, which is part of the ringer podcast network. Go check it out. Um, he is always talking about human moments in movies. Um, he, he specifically loves when people are eating like mm. that. It's such a like human touch. It's like a real thing. People, real people do. I loved the human moment when they are in the closet and he is unable to figure out how to work the gun. 
Yes. He says, he says, I don't know how to use this. Like, I just thought like now hear me. They do kind of, he, he, he learns. So whatever it kind of, it doesn't undercut it per se, but that moment is so great to me from a script and performance standpoint, because you're so used to like, in the throes of the horror scenario, the normal people just suddenly know all the things they're supposed to be doing. Oh, to yeah. Stay alive. Yeah. I, you know? We're not talking about this movie, but that's uh, until we re until we inevitably rewatch it for the podcast. That is one of my major dislikes at present, not having re rewatched it. That was one of my major dislikes against 28 Days Later, which I think is an otherwise really strong, mm. great film. But one of my major dings to it, and it really hurts, at least in initial viewing, really hurt the movie for me, is that suddenly this person who they make a big deal about saying he was like an accountant for most of his life turns into Rambo at the end. And I'm yeah, like, I, yeah. I don't get that. I don't know. I haven't seen sure. any of this capacity of training that he's been able to do all this stuff. Anyway, casting that aside and getting back to Strangers, I do agree with that. I feel like there's a lot of... Uh, really just subtle human touches to it, which is, I think, part of why the conclusion is so devastating. Like, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, are you done with likes, dislikes? Uh, no, my very last one is, so So this is, I guess, the spoiler, but the movie starts this way, so it's no real surprise. If you end up watching it, the strangers do finally take advantage of our heroes and um, ultimately murder them. It's pretty terrible, but... Um, in the middle of the movie, uh, he was going to, he, Speedman's character was going to propose to Liv Tyler's character and he's off screen for an extended period of time. And she very casually puts on the engagement ring that he was going to offer her at, which in the moment feels like a really lovely kind of touching moment sure. that you don't, yeah. that for me personally, I didn't give a ton of thought to its future use. And so I loved and was so heartbroken by that final terrible murder scene when they're bound up together and him who had been rejected at the top sees her with the wedding, the yes. engagement ring on yes. and they have, they're at least able to have this final moment. I don't know. I loved that. I oh loved yeah. It's wonderful. That, oh, it's wonderful. that payoff. I loved the emotional kind of through line of that. So yeah, there was a lot that I just really dug about this movie. So all right, Reed, you've been holding back. Uh, uh, yes. I've been, I've been, I've been warding you off, but you're, you're about to bust through the door. So here we go. All my, all my likes, dislikes revolve around either scares or themes. So focusing on scares, I, I mean, I do like all the things that you mentioned as well. Um, I, one piggyback comment on your last statement there is that I think part of what makes the ending so devastating is that these two people kind of find each other too late and it is a struggle that in people we have come in so brief a time to care so much for don't make it out that that is difficult it's difficult as a movie watcher to really come to terms with that setting that aside yeah my number one with a bullet one of the most memorable moments to me i think it was even on the movie poster which is a shame but it's but it's yes. a, a very affecting moment is when she's in the kitchen just listening and the She's in the kitchen. The 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 music in that moment is diegetic. It's not um, for listeners who don't know what that means. Diegetic means that it is um, music that would also be heard by the characters in the film, as opposed to like an underscore that would only be heard by the audience. It's uh, music playing on a phonograph or on a radio or something like that, or music being played in the room. Um, so that and so the music, there is no accompanying score to undertone this. But as she is getting a drink and pondering the ring and thinking about the evening and how everything went off in the corner, 
far away from her, but clearly visible to us, a masked figure is standing just watching her. And it's extended. It's like a th- like a three-minute scene, and he's not making a move for her. He's not and it's one shot. Too. It's a single it's, shot. It's, yeah. It just emerges from the corner, watches her, and when she begins to sort of slink back the other way, he's gone. And it's it, it's perfect. Oh, oh my god, it's perfect. Gosh, it's now in in my favor. I didn't know that was the 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 poster after the fact when I was doing my you know post viewing research. Sure, I sure. saw that and I was like, that's terrible. That they that's spoil such, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah because yeah. that is that might be one of the best pure kind of horror takes in the flick. It's you fan- know, like, it's absolutely fantastic. Yes, you are just sort of you are glued to your seat because you're so terrified for her. Yes, and and what is impressive to me about this movie is so many of the things that would be conventional and, and sort of are conventional, like look behind you. That, that is, yes. that is as DNA as it gets and horror is very organically delivered. You don't feel like she's intentionally not looking behind her because there's a thing there. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it just, it just kind of is the scene and the way it's framed and the way it's shot kind of pays off in a great way. That is a fantastic scare. Well, and I also love that they like to your point about, you know, all the tropes, like their whole, like you got to get out of there. You got to get out of the house. Well, they try. They get into the car right, and right. they try to leave and the strangers stop them. And so it's it, like, yeah, there's a lot of intentionality to setting up why these people can't get out, why these three strangers have actually uh, trapped them in this. Um, obviously, there's a couple of really effective jump scares where she's like she thinks she hears something and then she pulls back the curtains of the window and oh, my God, he's there. You know, like it's there's a couple of those. I, did, I wrote down. Riri, would you look out that window? Nope. That's what I wrote yep, down. When, when she's got that knife and walking towards that big old curtained window. Yep. Nope. 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 Staying far away from the window. And so uh, I also like, maybe this would be more likes, dislike, but I count it as a scare that we don't ever see the strangers' faces. Yes. That we yes. like, they are always. Did you know there was actually uh, a final sequence shot where you do of them kind of tidying up the house? And really? because, yeah, because sort of ultimately the decision was made like, no, it's more effective that you never see their face. They kind of scrapped the whole cut, the whole sequence. Yeah, yeah I'm glad yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. I do think it's much more effective. And 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 that's why I listed in scares as opposed to likes, dislikes, because I think that's one of the creepiest element about it is that they are nameless and they are faceless. And that yeah. is that that is really terrifying. Um, also just so like when she makes it out to the little, you know, barn shed area right, right. behind the house and she's trying to escape from the, from the girl stranger. It's the, yeah, there's the, the, the cat and mouse pacing of them trying to get away from the strangers is so exceptionally executed. It's really, really well crafted. And like I said, the producer called out that he's like, well, this is not really a horror film. This is a terror film. This is an exercise in sustained dread and fear. And, uh, and I think in that, and to that end, it is very, very effective. I find it to be very effective. I would say not that I want to just like wholeheartedly invite this, but if, if we have listeners kind of last week, you know, we, we knocked down the ring quite a bit and it has a lot of fans in that same capacity. I would ask if there's anybody who has seen the strangers and doesn't really care for it. I do want to know why, because I'm, because I can't figure it out. Cause Reed will jack you up online. I'm not going to just like start an argument. <laughs> no. So, but, but it's like, I do kind of want to understand why some people don't respond to this because I think as a, as an exercise in terror filmmaking, it's exceptional. And so that's why I don't 
don't understand some of the ambivalence towards it. But uh, what what did you have on your scares list? Uh, so many. Um, I wrote down the smoke alarm on the chair, although that's less scary to me, though it is scary, than why I would continue to praise Liv Tyler here. Her response to that is so natural and perfect. Do you remember she puts her hands to her mouth? Like this real delicate kind of like, oh my God. I'm not yes. alone in this house yes. and, and just kind of reinforces my affection for her, uh, performance capabilities. Um, I mean, there's so many little moments. I mean, the hand on, on, uh, Jimmy in the car, like yes. he's digging, oh diving in the gosh. car. Um, and we, we got a pour a really big cold one out for Mike. Um, an awful scene. Mike, Mike who shows up ostensibly to potentially, uh, uh rescue our protagonists. Enters the house. This is a, this is a, a friend that Jimmy, the, 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 the boyfriend has called early in the movie when he thinks he just needs to pick up because his girlfriend's dumped him basically. Um, Mike shows up, enters the house. Daddy stranger, as I came to refer to him in my notes, just kind of stalks behind him oh, as he with kind that of big axe. Oh, yeah. Kind of traipses. Mike is stealth, stealthily walking through the house. And man, you see it coming a mile away, but it does not lessen the sort of devastation of it. Jimmy and Kristen, the two leads, are hidden in this bedroom with a shotgun waiting for anyone to, to cross the threshold of the door for, to the hallway. Well, what they have no clue is happening is Mike is there and he is who crosses that threshold. Um, and, 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 and Jimmy blows his best friend's brains out. Um, it's awful. Uh, yeah. His reaction to that. Uh, like yeah, like that yeah. whole sequence plays out in a way again that is very believable um because when he like at first he all he registers is that the person in front of him did not wear was not wearing a mask that's all right, he can right. register at first and so then when he moves over and realizes it's mike his reaction is just is just incredible because and he tries to get hurt to keep her from seeing it and everything and then he starts muttering under his breath i killed my best friend i killed my best friend um yeah it's it's heartbreaking it's really it's really a devastating sequence i do think um i did write down note to self always have a peephole in your front door. <laughs> yes, that's rough. The fact that they Jeez. can't ever look out. Oh my gosh! And <sighs> well, that was a set. I don't know if you knew that. That was a that was a set they built. Oh like, yeah, yeah, house. yeah. The interior yeah. was so the exteriors yeah, yeah, were yeah. all filmed Oosh. at yeah, an actual yeah. rural location, um, obviously. But the, but the interiors they built the set so that basically for economy's reason they could they could move the camera where they needed it to. They could position the the rooms in a design in such a way that would. But what I loved about it is I did hear. They said they wanted it to have the appearance and the feel of a house that you would have lived in growing up. And yes. you and I have commented before. I think I can't remember. I think it was in Insidious where you were like an aspiring songwriter and a teacher can afford right. that house. You know, right, and, right. and I did think of that when I was watching this film because I was like, this is a house, even as a summer resort thing right. that you would believe is very affordable and is possible for someone to to have and to have lived in. Um, so I appreciated that about it, especially considering that it's not a real house, that it's a fabricated set. Yeah, um, that's very. Impressive. I, it, yeah, I totally was buying in that it was a on location sort of house. Yeah, I think. One of my last major scares, though it can't be played down how pulsing is the dread in this movie. Um, but one of my last major scares is just the, um, well, it's kind of twofold, but the girl at the pantry door after Daddy Stranger leaves. 
Um, yes. So the big guy sits at the table. Liv Tyler thinks she's hidden from him effectively in a pantry that's got slatted slatted door so she can see out of it. He gets up and leaves. She sort of thinks she's safe. I mean, you kind of know she's not. Oh, my and then gosh. Another one kind of leaps into the frame to sort of get her get her although she yeah. does although actually in that moment is when she does get away right because daddy strangers who ultimately but that's when she her. starts running yeah but that that's when she runs out of the house okay so she okay. gets away right there but then of course she trips and and yeah all this yeah uh, uh, that's where the trip happens yes i'm I've, oh, if i'm remembering right. it correct because it's you just watched it this morning but it was but it's been a couple of days for me but the but yeah that's the the trip okay i think that's um <laughs> you're a trip <laughs> um I mean, to me, one of the, and this may just sort of walk us right up to the door and knock on it, ask for Tamara of your theme. Um, I mean, geez, why are you doing this to us? Because you were home. Yes. Yes. That That's the most terrifying. I was going to either text you or mention on this episode that I think three of the most terrifying words ever uttered in any horror film were or not three, four words because you were home. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I was, uh, conflagrating it as, uh, because you're home, but because mm-hmm. you were home. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- those four words are just the, some of the scariest words ever uttered in any, uh, because, because it is, it's like one of the devastating parts about this film is that it all seems so senseless and that it all seems so, uh, chaotic that this has happened. There's no particular vendetta. There's no particular reason why these individuals are suffering this thing. You know, what's interesting about you saying that is some of my reading I was doing, and this would be someone else's thematic note, probably not ours, but it is interesting that they were making a commentary that this is a very post nine 11 type of horror movie. Yes. That, that kind of your 80s type of horror it's oh you had sex you're gonna die or oh you did the drugs you you do a bad thing you're gonna suffer the consequence that you know in a post 9-11 world where at least in our country cataclysmic devastation can happen for seemingly no reason yes that is the most terrifying thing we can kind of envision is there's no there's, there's no motive to be found yeah it just is Anyway, yes, it, it is pretty devastating. Well, um, unless you had some more uh, categories in the in the scares, if you want to, did you did you have any specific elements of of theme? I've got a pretty um, possibly not, a pretty robust one. Yeah, well, I'm happy to let you take us there. I, I think again, it's a pretty fresh watch for me. But even at the end, I was not ready for. Are you a sinner? Sometimes, yeah. Like, I was just, I was like, man, I don't know exactly what's being said right there, but something's being said right there. You know, (laughs) like that's, that's pretty, uh, uh, yeah, it surprises me. This has such a low rating and I would be curious to hear people, you know, kind of beat on it just cause I'm, I, I don't. Like, like, like Ebert didn't like it. Um, I think some of its accusations were kind of paper thin characters, but I, I don't know. I was just so taken with their relationship and, and sort of what they were going through in a way that is feels pretty rare to, yes. to, yeah. to have realized. And then you end it. Uh, you talk about senseless, then you end it with that. Yes. Yeah. Which we go ahead. I mean, like, yes, they, they get murdered. We've already said that, but well, and it's arguable. I don't know if that jump moment is meant to be just psychological or whatever, or if that means that that Liv Tyler's character is supposed to have survived the ordeal. But, um, but basically, like, 
they get murdered, but they get murdered like they're tied to a chair. Yeah. They're begging for their lives. It's the moment that in any other film you would expect something is going to happen to stop this and get then these people get away, but they don't. And Jimmy gets Jimmy gets stabbed, I think, three times and essentially dies. Her arms are tied, so he doesn't die in her arms, but dies like hunched over on her. Um, and then they, you know, she's still begging and they bring the knife towards her when, when it, thank God, cuts away. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it is, it's brutal. And, and they do like when you, when you see her, when you see the aftermath of it, um, she, they have, yeah, they've, they've brutally murdered both of them. And, um, and what I'm referring to as a sort of a final moment, these two, uh, I don't know if they're meant to be Mormons or just merely missionaries uh, of some other sect of faith, but um, these two young uh, gentlemen on bicycles, uh, basically kids. I mean, they might be late teenagers, um, no, but no. but they're basically they'd be like 13. 14. Yeah, they're basically kids. Um, but they're riding along presumably with some sort of evangelical framework, uh, in mind because they're carrying tracks that simply say Christian living in them, but they stumble upon this house. And when they stumble upon the house and enter into it with the, uh, you know, and, and examine everything, the very final moment of it is a pretty drastic and effective jump scare is as the boy is, as one of the boys is examining, uh, presumably Liv Tyler's dead body. She lurches awake and screams right in his face and then cut to black so what i mean what i mean is i don't know if that moment is just meant for us for a jump scare or if that's meant to imply that she definitively survives this ordeal um but yeah my so so are you good if i'm if i just dive into yeah run i'll i'll keep up so i was tuned this uh, now i will reveal i've been holding back this information it was not intentional. It was not planned. I just so happened to watch Won't You Be My Neighbor the same night that I watched The Strangers. Sure. And it was a complex, provocative, and I'll say haunting juxtaposition sure. of looking at a man, a real life man whose legacy is very much about we are not strangers, we mm. are neighbors. And then this film, which I think, again, part of what I'm really drawn to about it is that it commits fully to this is a senseless crime. They, this happened to them because they were home. They didn't do anything. They didn't right, cause right. this. They are victims of a cataclysmic, chaotic coincidence. I didn't mean to alliterate there, but I did. They, and so it was, I was so, th those two films were so in dialogue with each other. Sure. Mr. Rogers says, and this is in the trailer of the film, uh, in Won't You Be My Neighbor, Mr. Rogers says, love is at the root of all things. Uh, love or the lack of it mm. is at the root wow. of all things. Wow. Um, and so seeing that and then watching The Strangers again, uh, some of this I don't even really fully know like how I'm going to flesh it out. Some of this is going to sure. be in real time. But but it created this sort of provocative juxtaposition in my in my heart of how are we supposed to navigate the world? 
Do we batten down the hatches so the strangers don't get in? Or do we open wide the gates and make it a neighborhood? Do we make it a reclusive cave? Or do we, again, uh, set the table and share and, and swing wide the gates with, with you know open arms? And I was tuned in in the viewing of the strangers just how many strangers there are in this film. Because the, strain, the titular strangers are those three homicidal murderers. Right. But digging in a little bit, there's not a ton of characters, but the two boys are strangers, both to Jimmy and Kristen and to the, the three strangers as they're driving away. Um, one thing that I don't think we've explicitly said on the film is that after the murders take place, the killers are driving away in a pickup truck. They pass the two boys who are riding on bicycles, they stop. And for a moment, I don't know if you experienced this your first time, for a moment you wonder, like, are these two boys about to be victims as well? Like, what's going on? Um, but they they walk over, and the, the one of the girls walks over and, and is interacting with the two boys and sees the little Christian living pamphlet and says, can I have one of those? And he says, are you a sinner? And she says, sometimes. And then did you catch what they said as they're driving off? Yeah, maybe not next time, or maybe it'll be different next time or something. She said it'll be easier next time. Oh, oh, oh it'll be easier it'll next It'll be easier time. next time, yeah. which you could take to mean a couple of things. You could take to mean it'll be easier next time because they're getting good at this and they're doing it more. Or you could take it to mean that they're going to use this Christian living pamphlet as an access point to whoever they're going to approach next. And that, terif- that thought terrified me. Um, but... This notion of getting back to strangers is the two boys are strangers, they're strangers, and I kept coming back to this. I was like, this film does not change one bit narratively. The premise does not change one bit narratively if Kristen and Jimmy are fine, if they don't have tension in their relationship. But I'm sitting Mm -hmm. here, I'm like, but they have tension in their relationship. It's a very deliberate element of the first 20 minutes of the movie that things did not go as planned. They were in this, they were at this wedding. He was expecting to propose. She turned him down. And and I was sitting here, I was like, and then the light bulb clicked. I was like, oh my God, they're strangers to each other. They are in a Mm -hmm. relationship But they are strangers to each other because he fully expected he had decked out the house in rose petals and champagne and everything. He had fully expected her to say yes to this. She's not really ready and is trying to reach him, but they're not connecting. And so I'm sitting here. I'm like, holy crap. Like the movie is saturated with different types of strangers, both benevolent ones in the boys who however you feel about door to door missionaries, they're (laughs) doing what they believe to be good, faithful work. The strangers who are literally there to kill them and those who are in relationship, strangers in your own inner circle. And I'm like, it's saturated with strangers, strangers, strangers. And again, getting back to I promise I'm not just going to talk for the next 30 minutes. But again, getting back to what I was sort of gleaming with the echoes of won't you be my neighbor still sort of revolving around in my head. I'm basically glommed onto this notion of we either see the world as populated full of strangers or see it populated as full of neighbors. And that runs the gamut of people who do have malintent, people who are dangerous and need to be distanced from. Yes. You at the back there with your, with your hand raised, Mr. Nathan. Um, Well, I'm going to, I'm going to add to your layers here, brother, brother. Um, I did not look this up because I did not anticipate 
dropping it, but I'm going to paraphrase rather poorly Barbara Brown Taylor, who she's got a quote from Alter in the World, I think, where she says, to see the face of others is to see the face of God. Mm. And <sighs> whose faces do you never see in this movie? Yes. Yeah. I mean, like it is, it is, and you know, whether it was meant on a super deep level or whether it was just an effect that proved fruitful, it's hard to say, but you know, in, in the conversation of, benevolent or neutral strangers and negative strangers and, 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 uh, malicious strangers, those whose faces are concealed are those who are malicious. And, you know, hear me. I don't think the movies after, well, if they just yanked those masks off those people, it would have been okay. That's, that's not at all. It's, it's, it is very much metaphorical, but to your point, perhaps to be a neighbor requires the seeing. Mm -hmm. you know and and this movie uh for horror effect sure but also just perhaps for metaphor obscures the faces of the malicious ones yes um and i, I don't know i think that's really there's something really powerful there yeah and i, I so and and i do think as we've mentioned several times on this show is that uh i mean Dark things, malicious things, malevolent things like to hide and they they like to conceal it. And that what you what you, what the effort is, what the job is, is to bring forth even the difficult things, even the complicated things. Um, this this episode is kind of a soft B side on Won't You Be My Neighbor and listeners, uh, either you like that and you're welcome or you wish we'd talk more about the strangers and whatever. But um, in Won't You Be My Neighbor, it is pointed out several times that Mr. Rogers did not shy away from difficult subjects on his show the same week, I believe shortly thereafter, if not the same week that Bobby Kennedy is killed on his show as, as his little Daniel, Daniel tiger puppet. He is talking with lady Aberlin, who is the lady of, of make believe world. Um, he's talking with lady Aberlin and they're just sitting there. He's like, will you blow this balloon up for me? And she blows the balloon up and it just sits in that moment for a second. And then Daniel tiger just asks her, uh, Lady Aberlin, what does the word assassination mean? Wow. And, and so then she said, and then she pauses and sets it down and she's talking, of course, to a puppet, but she's like, where did you hear that word? And he said, I've been hearing that word a lot lately. I've been hearing that word a lot and I don't know what it means. And, and so then they, God, I'm getting emotional to talk about this. They have a real conversation to kids. Right, right. About right. this subject. They have a real conversation about it. And it's sensitive and no, they don't go into the ins and outs and it's not graphic, but they don't pretend it's something else. It's right. something different. Um, they don't hide behind. And and even at one point in the little scene, Daniel Tiger even says like, you know, well, I think I'd like to maybe talk about it some other time. And then they shift to a different subject. But I'm like, that was that was on a program garnered towards six year olds and seven right, year olds right, because right. Mr. Rogers was at least instinctive enough to know they're going to hear about it and they're not stupid sure, and they're sure, not naive sure. and you need to show them. We've been talking a lot lately, Nathan, about what we teach our kids and what we don't teach our kids. It's just been coming up a lot sure, um, sure. in subjects. And so I'm really attuned to this notion of like you're, you are indoctrinating your kids, whether you want to do it willfully and intentionally or, or not, you are indoctrinating your kids. It is unavoidable. You are teaching them something 
when you shut up, when you speak to them, what you speak to them about, you are teaching them something. And so why not be very honest and deliberate and and don't present falsehood and and just go ahead and, and speak forth out of that and try to help make neighbors of the world instead of uh, foster right. strangers in the world. And and it is something where it's like, yeah, what we do, we, we talked several uh, weeks ago now at this point about how in Jaws when. You know, when Brody, you know, you knew there were sharks, you knew they were dangerous and you still let people go swimming. And then that that scene that you juxtapose with his child mimicking him afterwards. And I'm thinking about in in the context of malevolent and vicious strangers and nameless, faceless things. What happens? Oh, sweet Lord. What happens when Jimmy begins to take the fight to the strangers what happens who who winds up dying in this scenario not the strangers right but he but he winds up killing his best friend and i think there's something i'm going to go ahead and even own it nathan i think this is i think this is me i think this is me bringing this to the film i don't think brian bertino is making some big dramatic spiritual statement about what you do when you're encountering chaos but i do think that there are approaches to chaos that will help and i think there are other approaches to chaos that won't help um but one thing that i know is that sometimes when you sort of begin to behave like the strangers you usually wind up just killing your friends you usually wow. wind up just destroying the rest of your neighbors hey usually- hey real quick real quick that thing in your hand will you just drop it what that thing you just oh you mean the mic <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny thank you i appreciate that at first i was yeah. like what are you talking about i know that's you were because awesome. that was a really funny reaction you got but no that's awesome yes you're like what this empty hand and then what was really funny is you went to fill the empty hand with the thing i was telling you to drop that was really funny <laughs> like, what i need to drop that mic because i mean that that's and again guys if you think i'm reading too much into the strangers then blame mr rogers because Seeing those two, Dang it, Fred. <laughs> seeing those two films back to back and understanding like it, it's heartbreaking, man, because one of the things in Won't You Be My Neighbor, it's an honest question that is asked several times is, did it do any good? Did he wow. do any good? Jeez. Did all that he tried to to foster in the world and all did he try to put out there? Did it do any good? He wrestled with that in the last years of his life, which breaks my heart. He wrestled with it, with this notion of what good <laughs> did 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 this do you know it's so fu- it's so funny you're you're sort of scratching at this so last night my wife and i were painting our house and i hate painting and you know, <laughs> so it's it's good conversational time and that's a positive and um i was expressing my frustration at you actually and uh <laughs> <laughs> seriously and, well well it, this will land in a positive place so uh, for listeners, my wife is a big Enneagram fan and, and, uh, she contends that I tend to surround myself nines, nines. I'm a nine. Okay. Yeah. That I tend to inadvertently or, or on, on purpose surround myself with nines. Now I know uh, what I, you were I, frustrated I, me I, about. I, I, I am a four. Um, I am a four who can be very passionate and willful and, and sort of run headlong as <laughs> any listener of a few episodes will know. Like, yeah, Nathan just sort of sinks his teeth in and goes to town. Uh, whereas nines are much more diplomatic, much more, um, in Reed's favorite word, centrist, and it can be infuriating sometimes. <laughs> My wife did remind me, well, you know what? Fours can be infuriating too with their sort of blind, headlong running into danger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, wife. <laughs> Right, right, right. Um, and and I just think it's interesting because my dear, sweet Enneagram 4 wife 
uh, while sort of defending fours in general, but also kind of. Your wife's a nine. You said she was an Enneagram. Four, oh, a nine, yeah. nine. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, thank you. Um, uh, taking a wrecking ball to my, you know, sort of bullheadedness. She was saying, sometimes I think you get perceived, you, you are perceived this particular way. And she outlined what that way is. And I was like, well, I don't, I, I don't want to be, that's not how I think I'm perceived. I, I don't, I don't want to be perceived that way. That's not how I'm perceived. <laughs> go make, go make me a sandwich. No. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I was trying to contend and this echoes of this will make total sense to you, my friend Reed. I was like, you know, well, if you aren't standing for the thing, you know, how, if you don't name the shark, how are people going to know the shark's there? And, you know, like, well, we're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, just all of this stuff, all of this stuff. Oh and and it just I was really having this wrestling moment of kind of what you're just articulating about Mr. Rogers and 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 the effect and the 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 value of. I didn't have a crisis of faith in the sense of like, oh my God, what point is even the attempt to do what you think is good? Um, but, but, you know, I think that's a real challenge. And in this friggin' jacked up strangers murdering and separating folks and crazy garbage world we are inhabiting right now, like it is a serious, serious, fundamental foundational bedrock question of any person who claims that maybe their worldview has an effect on their behavior that hopefully might have an effect on this around them. It's a fundamental question of, uh, I'm going to reference bone tomahawk here, make sure it has value. Like, yeah, right, 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 you, right. You know, like that doesn't mean your political position has value. Mm -hmm. It means that, how you believe good can be manifest in the world does have value. And that is where you, that is, that is the plow you put your hands to. Yes. Um, yes. There is a, uh, so there is a book. I have uh, got it on my Amazon wish list, um, but I have not read it yet because I heard an interview with its author. Um, so the author's name is, Rosaria, Ro Rosaria or Rosaria? I don't remember. Um, I'll say Rosaria. Rosaria Butterfield. And her book is titled The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And it is a book about hospitality. That's what the book is about. Interesting title already. Yeah. That's good. The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And again, I have not read the book. Um, hearing the interview, I put the book on my on my wish list because the interview was very provocative. She tells a story in it, um, and it is about just like I, I had made a statement to um, a friend of the show, Aaron White, uh, over at Feel and Film. I made a statement to uh, a, a post that he was making uh, on Facebook regarding. Uh, some socio-political issue I can't remember, but it was on this whole notion of, you know, loving our neighbor and and loving our enemies and 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 everything and and where's the balance and where's the tension and all of that kind of stuff. And the comment that I made on Facebook, I will I will repeat here on mass, um, is I said what really haunts me, what genuinely haunts me, is I believe we do a lot of hedging about what Jesus really meant and how far he really meant us to go when he said to love your neighbors and to love your enemies. 
Um, mm-hmm. We do a lot of hedging on this show. We even advocate like, hey, don't live reckless lives. And I understand that. I still stand by that. Um, but we, we in general, I think we do a lot of hedging. And the statement that I made on Facebook was, I said, for all of our hedging, I think if we really had a divine window in how far Jesus wanted us to go, I think it is far farther than we ever could have imagined in how right. far he wants sure. us to go. Sure. And that convicts me and it haunts me because he wants us to go. I do believe he wants us to go much farther than we ever possibly could have imagined to be safe or appropriate to go. I think he wants us to go there in this book. And in this interview, she told a story about a man named Hank. um, And again, I have not read the book, so I don't know all of the particulars. I can only share what she shared in the interview. In the interview, there was this man, uh, a bit awkward. Uh, He was an older man uh, named Hank, uh, just kind of milling about a little bit of a strange duck. And they uh, began conversing with him. They invited him into their home. Uh, Eventually, he sort of warmed up and kind of came over and and developed a friendship with them and, and maintained a friendship with them for, I think it was several months. I don't think it extended into the year plus, but uh, developed a a long friendship with them, or at least a sizable friendship with them. Um, And then as she puts it, uh, then suddenly one evening they find their home surrounded by crime scene tape and the police are knocking on their door because Hank uh, owned and operated a meth lab. And so then he is arrested. He is currently in prison. Um, But what happened in the neighborhood is of course, all of the suspicions turned to her and her husband and their children of sure. how could you not have known about this? Right. How could right, you end right, right, right. suspicions by law enforcement, suspicions by neighbors, by everything? How could you not have known about this? This man's been over in your home, all of these secrets, all these lies. How could you not have known about this? And I'm skipping past a few details. And again, I have not read the book, so there's probably even more that I'm skipping over. But she basically summarized it by saying, my husband and I made a decision. She said we could lock the doors and we could wait it out. Or we could put on a pot of coffee and we could scramble eggs and we could invite them all in and amidst the scrambled eggs and the coffee, we could all talk about how we believe the gospel calls us to hospitality. And that's why we invited the man into our home. And that's why we invited you into our home. And we just want to talk about it. And that's that's why we're here. And that's what we believe. And she said with the eggs and the coffee, the Bible was right there on the table. And that's what they believed the gospel was compelling them to do. And yes, it is it is difficult because one of the things that I think is very effective and I think is worth noting in in the strangers is there is an element of chaos to the world. There is an element of, you know, I love the passage of scripture that says, um, uh, and I, I don't have it in front of me, but it says you should be innocent as doves and as crafty as serpents. Um, we've said before on the show, you need to be discerning. Um, I vaguely referenced situations before where I thought that I was in real physical peril and that I exited myself from those situations. And it turns out that at least my fears were warranted, if not actually I, me being in, in, in physical peril. But I'm saying all of these things to say, like, yes, stories like the fictional story we see in The Strangers are realities. It is an ugly element of this world. But I think we still have decisions to make about how we're going to respond, not only when the threat comes to our... Because it's not just the threat at hand, the imminent threat. It is we would hear a story like The Strangers or see a movie like The Strangers and then begin to see our neighbors as if they're as if they're wearing masks and garnishing yes. knives. Yes. And that's yes. what we have is that we put a face to the faceless. We mm-hmm. put a name 
to this threat and we say it's them it's those people that's the, that's the real chaotic element to it is that as i said before we will begin to sort of fight fire with fire and usually only wind up destroying ourselves um, and realize too late, you know, find ourselves in that moment uh, a little too late. And I was thinking about it like, yeah, you talk about them scratching at something like this whole these two boys, these two strangers carrying Christian living pamphlets and communicating with murderers who are also strangers. Can I bring in the scripture? I know I've been talking sure. a lot. Uh, uh, but, right. um, I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the scripture that I had in mind for this is um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 uh, through 23. And the, the subheading just in the New International Version just says true and false disciples. Uh, just to tip my hand to where this is going to be talking about. But it's Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Jesus is saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And in this whole conversation about strangers and in this whole conversation about neighbors, what stood out to me so profoundly is this notion of the very thing that we do not want to be is a stranger to the work of the gospel, is a stranger to the work of Christ. Whatever it is that the threat is, whatever it is that the danger is, whatever it is perceived that is happening in the world around us and how we should appropriately respond to it, let us not have Jesus Christ look at us and say, you're a stranger to me. You're, you're a stranger. I never knew well, you. Two burning thoughts. Can I share them? Please. On strangers and neighbors. That's that's a pretty epic juxtaposition you inadvertently did a double feature of there. Um, Purely accidental, but. Two things, potentially final. One, I do think it's fascinating. You brought up what happens when James starts sticking to the fight of the strangers. He inadvertently, friendly fire, kills his best friend uh, in a rather dramatic and violent fashion. I do think it's interesting that the story of Jimmy and Kristen ends. It's a little unbelievable for a movie like this, for them to have not incapacitated any of the three assailants. Mm, mm -hmm. So I'm going to take that as meaningful because I'm going to apply it. Then the only correct me if I'm wrong, but the only actual gunshot he fires is the one that kills Mike. Yes, that is, if my memory serves me correctly, that is the only gun fired in the film. You know, so so there's something seemingly important there. Like, he realizes his weapons are, are, are poorly being deployed and abandons them. Uh, they don't actually do any harm to the strangers, which, you know, you could make a case, which in the reality of the movie, that's what ultimately kills them. Sure. Whatever. Sure. But I, I am so moved by Jimmy and Kristen. I'm so yes. moved by the fact that in the throes of a terrible, senseless death, they find each other and they, mm -hmm. they connect 
And there, I don't even think there's an I love you said between them, but that is very she palpable. She says it, she okay, says it okay. to him. Yeah. Um, you know, which is kind of her gift to him that, yes. that works and makes sense. Um, but it's a very palpable, emotional payoff to a story. And, and I think, I think something important there is that in the face of senselessness and in the face of when you deploy violence, recognizing its error that, you know, to, to the Mr. Rogers point, the, the bedrock of all is love or lack of it. Like love is what survives for these two people, even though they do not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's powerful and, and, and worth considering. But the other kind of last thought I have here is that's all interrelated to all of this. We want, I am speaking to me. I want so badly to be on the offensive in a simplistic fashion. Well, that's the shark. Kill it. That's the, that's the shark. Bring it to the surface. Use all the tactics at your disposal. Like th- those are, there's certainly a place for that, but there's also a place. I don't mean to be swimming back to this so much. There's also a place where you're Quint who gets overzealous and gets friggin' eaten sure. yeah. uh, mm-hmm. by the shark you're hunting. I think there's something powerfully powerful in the simplicity of why are you doing this? Because you are home. And I want in the, the conflation you've been making the whole episode about neighbors and strangers to reverse that. Like there is always going to be a chaotic element to life. There will always be potentially strangers who want your ill, want ill will towards you. Absolutely. Yes. Like it's stupid to pretend that might not exist in the world, Mm -hmm. but it is also kind of stupid to like live by that potential. Yeah. You know? Um, So the simplicity is what I want to piggyback on here and ride into the sunset. Um, Why are you doing this? Because you were home. Uh, Why did Mr. Rogers do this? Why are you doing this? Because you are special. Mm. Why do we do anything of value to anyone we love? Because we consider them special what requires work and what faith in Jesus asks us to do is to take who we consider our neighbors and just widen the ever, ever increasingly widening those circles. Mm-hmm. You know, well, well, who is my neighbor Lord? Like just point to somebody. Yes. Okay. Now love them. Well, so that that person can say, well, why are you doing this? And so that you can say, because you are special, because mm-hmm. you are, because you are my neighbor, because you're worthy of being loved. Like, yes, it's really, that's, that's really all there is to it. And we want so badly for, to, to create these labyrinthine systems of, of, uh, we, we want our aunt, little orphan Annie decoder ring to know how <laughs> to, how to engage the world. Right. But it, it really is pretty simple. Yeah. In intention. Because what anyway. you, because what you talked about, in in discussing how we trade our time, I mean, you don't get to decide to be pretty blunt. You don't get to decide whether chaos knocks on your door or not. You don't know. Yeah, you yeah, don't get yeah. to decide. All you get to decide is how you will trade your time, how you will navigate the world. That's that's all you get to decide. And you know, we we all the going all the way back to Cloverfield Lane and talking about the idolatry of safety. I think that 
there is a radical they they say this in won't you be my neighbor is there are certain tenants certain things where yeah someone could point a finger and say well that's a very naive way to view the world or that's a very uh, that that's going to have ripple effects that are not great um but at one point given a different subject um they say if you take the christian faith seriously you have to believe this like mm-hmm. regardless of what ripple effects there are to the implications of this statement if you take the christian faith seriously you have to believe this and that is that everyone is endowed by their creator with value right you you have to believe that and yes uh, we could we could go on and on and on this is clearly a subject that i'm passionate about um yes there is chaos um yes you can be smart and sensible and you can be safe and there is uh, i don't it's it's funny seek i'll leave it at seek the lord because because honestly uh the gospel does come with a house key i do believe that and and i think you need to that's such a great statement yeah i think you need to uh i think you need to seek the lord about how you should be navigating uh your subset of the world your section of the world because yes there are um there are scary things out there and then there are there are neighbors as well, because in the same context that we see a film like The Strangers and you can view the world as scary and ugly and evil and full of scary, nasty things. Then there's a scripture verse elsewhere that says, um, be kind to the stranger, because by doing so, many have entertained angels unaware you you have. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think that just means, although it may, I don't think that just means in the cosmic sense of, oh, I didn't. Yeah, you had your wings. Well, uh, it's not that I think so much as like sometimes by extending the hand to the 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 potential neighbor uh we are opening a door possibly to to saving ourselves because we've then expanded our neighborhood we've made a friend we've um infused loyalty and gratitude and community and um yeah i'm gonna <laughs> shut up <laughs> um so in the spirit of that read uh, let's bring Spirit in old that, David brother. S. Pumpkins. He's, we are no stranger to David S. Pumpkins. We are no stranger to he David is S. Our, he is our neighbor. Let's go bring him over. Um, every episode, we we rate here at The Fear of God the movies we discuss uh, on a very unique Fear of God metric, that of numbers of David S. Pumpkins, in the columns of style, scares, and substance. I feel like I need cue cards. Um, <laughs> um, on a... On a on a rating of zero to five. So I will start. Okay. On the subject of style, which I tend to define as my general reaction to and or affection for a film. I mean, five seems overly strong, but not too false. Um, I, I am going to hedge just in the spirit of, whatever uh four four and a half i'm gonna give it four and a half on style i just really really dug what it was putting down i think it is incredibly competent uh i think it is ridiculously good at doing what it does i think the execution of the performances uh the the relational dynamic on screen between the two of them is surprisingly powerful I'm four and a half, man. Nice, nice. Um, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. I'm gonna give it a four. Um, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of, uh, it does a lot of things extremely well, extremely well. Um, I feel like 
the uh, there there are a couple of things that just sort of again it's a very instinctual writing that just sort of bubble up that's like well maybe they could have tilted a little bit differently you mentioned the trip um you know there there might be something a few interior beats that they could shift around that might uh boost its effectiveness but in general i, I really think this is a strong film so four for me um for scares man I kind of want to give it a five because I think for that one scene alone, there's like there's like two or three like level five worthy scares in general. And again, I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to go with my instincts again. I'm going to hedge just a little bit and go four and a half. But uh, <laughs> but I think it's I think it's really strong. I think it's really great. I, I'm going to go with a four on scares. I do think it's incredibly scary. I am curious how how those scares retain in, in repeat viewings, you know, like, yeah, sure. Because I did actually have this thought and, and, you know, to be, uh, even here, um, the, the reveal of written words on a surface for like the fourth or fifth time, I did start to think, okay, it's that's, that's starting to wear a little, thin. how'd you buy that much lipstick? Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 You guys are good. <laughs> how, you know, how many of you are there? Um, so yeah, I'm going to give it a four because I do think it is incredibly scary. And that sink, that sink scare scene alone, uh, is probably three of those four stars sure. or four pumpkins. Um, um lastly, lastly for substance, ah, um, I, I am not going to give it a five, not because I, I don't think there's substance here. Clearly, I think there is. I, I, I will give it a four. You know, I think the aid to the, the, the external source of Mr. Rogers has really influenced a lot of this conversation, but that yeah, does not mean yeah. I don't think it's there. I mean, I do think there's some really competent conversation to be had around the nature of strangers and 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 who and what and where and when they are so so yeah i'm gonna go with a four on substance uh i'm gonna join you for uh with a four for substance because i think for exactly the same thing you've been mentioning is like i i do think it was just coincidentally fortuitous that i watched won't you be my neighbor and then walked into the strangers um maybe maybe a large majority of my thoughts would not have been flavored the way that sure, they were had sure. I not had that accidental double feature. Um, but they were, and that's the conversation we have. And, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and chalk it up to the Lord, brother, because he, <laughs> he orders the steps of a righteous he man does, ordered brother. by the Lord. That's Come right. On, that's man. right. Come on, so, brother but, um, but in all sincerity, uh, yeah, I think that there is some substance to the film itself uh, about, again, I don't, you know, I point, and this is all the film. The little kids are strangers. Um, the strangers themselves, uh, Jimmy and Kristen, are strangers to each other. I think there is a lot going on in the film uh, that uh, more so than I think it frequently gets credit for. So four for me. Um, and that means that we give The Strangers, directed by Brian Bertino, eight out of ten David S. Pumpkins. I'm very happy with that rating. That's, I think a, that's, that's, good. I, that's I, a good rating. I had no clue. I had no clue this is how this conversation and movie would fall yeah i mean I, I would i would have thought there's no way yeah um well you know what well, the fear of god is well, the beginning yeah. of wisdom but Tell it's us. not the end of the conversation so nope. uh so listeners you can chime in uh on exactly what this film has made you think about uh what our conversation has made you think about um i will own and admit but not in the slightest apologize for the fact that this was probably half an episode of won't you be my neighbor and half an episode of the strangers but that's that's the way it went and uh, again i'm not apologizing for it i think that there's a lot to be gleamed there and uh and yeah i'm 
um, thank you for having this conversation with me. Thank you for helping me process my feelings. Are you talking to me or the listeners? No, no I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm okay, talking to you. you're welcome. They didn't help yet. They will well, you know, in the Facebook group and in the you thing, know, but you, you're helping here. You know why I do this, Reed? Why? Because you're you. Oh, you know, it's like you. That? I like, like not the clothes you wear. Sorry. Yes. Whoa. Okay. I don't know. Is that's that Mr. an old. Rogers? That's Mr. Rogers. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to make a. Why are you doing this? Because your home reference. In the spirit of that, guys, this has been episode four of hashtag Monster Mash. We're having a grand old smash. We will see you next week for episode five as we get ever closer to not just the winner of the Monster Mash. But the fear of God's 100th episode. Dun, dun, dun. See you next time, everybody. Bye. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. To continue this conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God. You can visit us on Facebook to comment on one of our posts or post there yourself. You can follow Reed on Twitter at Reed Lackey. You can follow Nathan on Twitter at The Nathan Rouse. Visit MoreThanOneLesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Stop.